Genesis chapter 39. If you'd open to Genesis chapter 39, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite characters in the Bible. His name is Joseph. You're probably very familiar with him. And um, I love the story of Joseph. I've gone back to it multiple times over my life. And I want to talk to you today about how to keep your life on track when the wheels come off. That is, how do you stay in the center of God's will for your life? How do you stay faithful when it appears that uh, all of your planning has come apart and something has happened in your life and the wheels have just completely come off? And I want to begin by reading verse 6, the second half of verse 6 down through verse 20. It says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. But one, day when he went, but one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was, was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and, cried, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the, story, the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant has treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Now this is just a small portion of the life of Joseph. You kind of pick up with his story in chapter 37. It runs all the way through the rest of the book of Genesis. I'm not going to be able to cover all of that, but... Real quick, I just want to kind of give you an overview because it's important to understand how they're really kind of two stories running parallel to each other. And when you begin to think about how you, you go through a trial, you go through a difficult time in your life, and maybe you're going through something where it's completely out of your control like Joseph. Joseph never intended to be sold into slavery. That wasn't his life goal. It wasn't his life plan. And sometimes in, in America, we plan our lives out so well uh, maybe starting in high school, you want to get into a good college, you want, to, you want to get a good education, get a good job, get off on a good career, have a good career path, meet the person of your dreams, get married, stay married for 50 years, you know, have a 401k just flush with money, and you want to retire to Destin, Florida, and come down and hang out with us in the panhandle. That's kind of our life dream sometimes, and, and then sometimes along the way, it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes along the way, something happens <clears throat> in which the wheels of your life just completely come off and you didn't plan it. A pastor friend of mine this week was sharing how he went through uh, several years of drug addiction with his son, and it was just heartbreaking. It was 
Jerusalem. And the Lord has graciously restored that. And he has come back to the Lord. And he's walking with the Lord. But those years were agonizing for them to suffer through that. Because what do you do when, how do you stay in the will of God? How do you continue to serve faithfully when things outside of your control just seem to be controlling your life? And maybe you're in a marriage with a different person than you married. Has anybody else ever experienced that? I mean, he, did, he smelled better on your honeymoon. You know, he, he looked better. He, he dieted better. He, he dressed better, maybe. And, and I tell people when we do a wedding, this is as good as he's ever going to look right here. <laughs> this is as good as he's ever going to smell. You know, uh, and he's going to date you now, but you're going to have to remind him to date you later. But so you go through things in your life where it just seems like, you know, you're in difficult situations. I just kind of want to walk with you a little bit this morning through the life of Joseph and show you some basic things that I think if you just kind of can keep these things in your mind, because you may not be in a trial now. You may be coming out of a trial and you'll be able to witness to these things. Maybe you're in a deep trial right now, but if you haven't, if you haven't been in one, if you're not in one, you're going to go through one because it's an important part of our sanctification. And God's writing a great story for your life. So the story of Joseph has kind of these two parallel tracks. One is God's big plan. It's, it's the secret plan or it's the, the part of God's will that sometimes we spend our time trying to figure out, but we can't know it. I mean, we think sometimes we, you know, we're trying to figure out what God's doing in my life and what he wants to do through me at this particular time of my life. We're trying to figure out things we don't know. All we know is what God has revealed to us in his word for us to obey. And that's God's will for our life. In Joseph's life, God's big plan is that he had made a promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob that in the seed of Abraham, that, that is Christ, he was going to bring the Messiah, the Savior, into the world, and he was going to redeem a people from all the peoples of the earth. God's big plan is to preserve the seed of Abraham. And that's the big story in the life of Joseph. And so Joseph gets to Egypt in a very unconventional way, inconvenient way, so that Jacob and his family can follow and can be preserved so that God can preserve the seed of Abraham and fulfill the prophecies of the coming savior of the world that's God's big plan but Joseph can't see all of that there's a story of the life of Joseph that runs underneath that that's a, a little chapter in God's bigger plan and in Joseph's life as he starts out as one of the favored sons in his life in his father's life and you know the story of the coat of many colors and and the dreams that Joseph had that his family is going to bow down to him and serve him and they got jealous they sell him into slavery and when they sell him into slavery, he ends up in Potiphar's household. He ends up in Egypt. And ultimately, as the story goes, after this particular situation, he ends up being elevated to where he is the second man in all of Egypt, which was basically ruling the world at the time. the most powerful nation in the world. He's, he's ruling Egypt during a period of famine. And if you know the story, eventually his brothers and his father and his whole family, the whole clan of Israel, ends up in Egypt and they're under his care, and he's actually ruling over them in fulfillment of dreams that he had when he was a child. And in that particular situation, we see God preserving his people there. And it's a story of Joseph getting there without ever having any control of his life. He had been taken captive as a slave and had left his homeland, had been shipped off. And throughout his life, Joseph could every day from that point on, look and say, I am enslaved in a nation that is not my homeland. The wheels of my life have come off. 
Yet he stayed faithful in the center of God's plan for his life. And this little portion here in Genesis chapter 39 tells us a great deal about the character and the quality of Joseph. And I kind of just want to glean on those because your obedience in this chapter of your life is going to determine what God writes in the next chapter of your life. If you obey in this chapter of your life, then you're going to end up in one place in the next chapter of your life. But if you, if you disobey, you're going to end up in a different place in, in the next chapter of your life. Do you remember those visual novels? Those books where you had two options to go, you get to one chapter, and you pick this way, the story goes this way. If you pick this way, the story goes this way. Those were my, like, some of my favorite books to read uh, when I started reading things without pictures in them. And the, so I would like follow that, and I would pick them. Would, so you, it's a great way to get kids to read because the story goes in different directions depending on the choice you make now. Joseph chose to obey and he made a choice that would have ended him in prison. Watch this. But he ended up in prison. But had he chose to disobey, had he chose to enter into an adulterous relationship with Potiphar's wife, it would have been an entirely different outcome for his life. Everything in the next chapter would have looked entirely different. And so the whole story would have changed. And you need to know God's writing a big picture for your life. He's writing a novel. And you're in chapter 2, you're in chapter 3, and you're trying to figure out, well, here's, here's some things that I think will help you in this chapter to make sure that the next chapter of your life is going to be the best chapter of your life. First thing you need to understand when the wheels come off of your life is that God's will for your life is obedient performance. Just, let's just keep this real simple. No matter what you're going through in your life right now, no matter what the circumstance, what the situation, God's will for your life right now is for you to obey his revealed will to you in the objective Word of God. The Word of God is very clear. If you don't know what God's will is, you open up your Bible and you read it and obey the Word of God. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstances, God's will for your life is to obey Him in this situation. That's what Joseph does in this context. Joseph finds himself in uh, enslavement and he faces a temptation. And what we see here from him is his response to her is that he rehearses the good things of God. And then he says at the end of the second half of verse 9, he says, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? One thing Joseph knew at this point in his life is that sinning against God is out of the question. How could I possibly sin against God who has been so good to me and has blessed me and is with me. Disobedience to the Lord needs to be out of the question in every situation of your life, every situation. This is not performance to be justified by God, to earn favor by God. No one can ever perform that way. We are saved totally by the grace of God through faith in Christ alone. That's the only way we can be saved, wholly by the grace of God. But when God is in our life and we're walking with Christ and we know Christ and we've been justified by His grace... All of the circumstances of our lives that he places us through, he wants us to walk in obedience to him. So I want to real quick just do something. I didn't do this in the first service, but um, I want you to flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm just going to give you, here's what I'm going to give you. Four steps to everything God wants for you. <laughs> That's kind of practical, isn't it? A four-step process to every single thing God wants for you in your life. It's a well-known passage of Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
so that the man of God may be complete, that is mature. Some translations say perfect, and it means that you can be completely, fully mature for how many good works? Every good work. Everything God wants me to do, I have in the pages of Scripture. So here's how I make sure that my life is in obedience in whatever situation or circumstance I'm in. This is what I do. The first thing I do is I open up the Bible and I understand what does the Bible teach about that. What's the Bible say? The Bible says it's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for, for doctrine. That's the first step. What does the Bible say? And then here's the next thing that it does. The Bible is profitable for teaching and then for reproof. That means everything different than what I just learned. If, I, if this is what the Bible says, every area of my life that is in disagreement with this, it reproves, it rebukes me for. So it shows me where I'm in sin. And then the next thing it does, this is what the Bible is profitable for. It is for correcting. So in other words, it shows me how to get from here off of the plumb line of God's word back to the word of God. It corrects me and it brings me back in line with the will of God. And then the next thing that is profitable for is for training in righteousness. That's the four steps for everything God wants for you. No matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation is, if you'll go to the Word of God, you'll learn what the Bible has to say about it. You'll recognize every area of your life that is not in alignment with that. And if you will correct that by the Word of God, and you'll learn to walk biblically in the Word of God and to be trained in righteousness, you'll be obedient to God and you'll be doing everything required of you by God. In no matter what the circumstance or situation. Stop trying to, don't, don't read, you don't need to read the tea leaves. You don't need to, you know, to interpret the eagle flying by as meaning something at a certain time of the day. We, we don't need to divine things. I read a statistic this week that over 40% of American professing Christians still believe that crystals may have some type of spiritual power. Over 40% think crystals or some type of physical object has spiritual power and um and something go go to um to people in got involved in type of spiritualism and guessing the future and predicting your future 40 percent of the american people there's a pew study this week you don't need to worry about any of that god has said everything he wants you to do here's god's will for your life when the wheels come off of your life no matter what the situation you obey him you walk in absolute obedience to God. That's what Joseph did. And Joseph found himself out of, out of a situation that he would have planned and ended up in a very difficult situation. And his response was to obey the Lord. And the Bible says that God was with him in this process. So we want to obey the Lord in every, each and every situation. That doesn't mean when I obey the Lord that I'm necessarily going to get out of the situation. Sometimes we think, here's, here's how we work this out. This is the default mechanism of the flesh, by the way. I've learned this from experience. This is my default mechanism. If I obey, God delivers me out of the situation. Or if I obey, I obey, and God, I, that's a trade-off. I give God some obedience, God gives me some blessing. That's the way it works. And so if I obey, and maybe God doesn't bless me the way I think I should, then, then I begin to think wrongly. It is not obedience to get something or to get out of the situation. Joseph never did get out of the situation. As a matter of fact, Joseph's obedience to God, look, he obeys. He would not sin. He would not fall to the temptation. She lies, and now Joseph ends up in prison. So obedience doesn't always move us into a greater place of what we would refer to as blessing, regardless of what the health and wealth preachers would have you to think. Joseph ended up in prison, and he was there for years. 
And from then on, for the rest of his life, there was the rumor about him being an attempted racist, a rapist running around. He, 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 uh, this, this whole scenario had to follow him around. He's in Egypt and people sitting out in the audience when he's up in Egypt and they're like, oh, he thinks he's a really big deal. He thinks he's something, but I, you know, you know he, was a, he attempted rape. He was in prison. You know he's a former convict, don't you? He had this reputation following him his whole life. But he obeyed the Lord and he was faithful to the Lord. It is always God's will for you to obey the Lord in every situation, circumstance that he places you in. Next thing you, know is, you need to know is that when the wheels come off, God's will is an optimistic perspective. Now, what I don't mean by that, I don't mean name it and claim it, and I don't mean that you could just kind of create a, a world by speaking positively out of your mouth and just being naively optimistic. Um, I, by the way, I, I went to Philadelphia one time, and I was, we were jogging, and we were jogging around the block. This is, we were on a, like a week-long trip, and then we found out, after we'd been doing this a couple of days, you know, this is like the most dangerous place in Philadelphia. And we're like, oh, well, that's awesome. And here's a little riddle I learned then. Here's the riddle. You ready? A man leaves home jogging and he jogs a little way and he turns left. He jogs a little way and he turns left. And he jogs a little way and he turns left. And then upon returning home, he's greeted by two masked men. The question is, why did he leave home jogging? And who are the two masked men? Well, I kind of set you up because what I did is I gave you a perspective. I gave you a paradigm to interpret that lens through when I talked about jogging through Philadelphia. But if I'd have given you a baseball diamond and told you about hitting a home run, when I left home, I jogged a little way, I turned left, turned left, turned left, came back, and there was the catcher and the umpire standing there at home plate. <laughs> You'd have got the riddle because that's the, what I was talking about. But what I did is I set up your perspective. I set up your paradigm to interpret reality through a specific lens. And so you probably saw me jogging around Philadelphia, coming back with a couple of hoodlums ready to mug me. And that's the power of our perspective. It's a lens through which we interpret reality. And when we find ourselves in a ditch, we find the wheels coming off of our life. We have to guard our perspective. We have to know, we have to be optimistic and know that God has promised good toward me and God's ways are perfect. Joseph, in this particular situation, when this temptation comes upon him, notice, pick up in verse 8, how Joseph responds. He says, but he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I sin? So here's the point. Joseph rehearses and thinks about. Here's Joseph's motivation for not sinning against God. God has been good. God has been with me. God has favored me. Look at what God has done in my life. Why would I enter into this grievous sin and sin against God and commit this type of a wickedness? When you find yourself going through an extremely difficult time, do you find yourself rehearsing the goodness and the blessings of God in your life and worshiping Him with a thankful heart? Or do you find yourself rehearsing the unjust things God has done for you in your life? Joseph could have rehearsed this entirely different. He could have said, well, you know what? I, I, I was a good kid growing up. I loved my mom. I loved my daddy. I was good to my brothers. I didn't do anything wrong with them. And then where did it get me? Look at where it got me. I'm in prison. 
Here I am away from my homeland. I don't even get to see him anymore. And all I did was be faithful to him. And now I'm in prison. I'm away from my homeland. I'm homesick. I miss my family. Woe is me. Look at how bad I have it. And had he done so, what happens in this particular situation? Well, I can tell you from experience, this is what happens to me. When I begin to attribute unjustness in God toward me, I begin to justify injustice in my life toward God. I'll begin to justify sin in my life. I'll begin to justify things because after all, I deserve better than this. And I'll start rationalizing, well, you know, doing the right thing hadn't worked so far. Look at what I'm getting for it. And so what difference does it make? So you respond in an entirely different way. But that's not the way Joseph responds. Joseph could see the hand of God even in this situation, circumstance. The Bible says that God was with him. Potiphar recognized that, and that's why he had been elevated to the position that he was, because he served him faithfully. And Joseph was aware of the ever-near presence of God in his life, blessing him and working in his life in every situation that he found himself in. There's no situation that you're in that's not given and ordained by God himself. God has not fallen asleep and dozed off and then woke up and found out, whoa, 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 the, the, things kind of got out of control in your life. God is in your life. He is focused. He is intent every moment of every day. And he loves you. And where he has you right now in your life is the best possible place he can have you for your spiritual benefit. Because if there was another situation better than this situation for your good, God would have you there. This is the best of all possible situations. And we know that because that's what the Bible teaches us. So Joseph embraced the providential situation of God that God had had him in. He served God faithfully there, and he saw the goodness of God, and he was worshiping him with a thankful heart. Which leads us to the third thing, and that is when the wheels come off, God's will is an ownership of his promises. I'm going to tell you that there have been times in my life when it was a sheer gut check for me to decide that I was going to believe that God had promised good toward me. There were times in my life when I just thought, you know, I just don't know. And there, somebody is here. Some, there's people here today, either in the early service or here, that are at this point in your life where you're like, I'm just not, I'm just not sure that I can do another day of this. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what the circumstance or the situation is. It, it may be a difficult marriage. It may be difficult with, with kids or situations that you're going through. It may be, you know, maybe that you're in financial ruin. Nobody around you knows it. When the bubble busted in the 1920s, the stock market, people that were ruling the world at the time, the richest people in the world, started jumping out windows, committing suicide because they had lost everything they had, and they couldn't keep their life on track when the wheels came off. So that's all they were living for. There are countless ways in different people's lives where you come to this point in your life where you're thinking, I just, maybe you're struggling with depression. I don't know what it is, but you just think, I need to go another day. And there have been times in my life when I knew what the Bible said about what God wanted me, wanted for me. I knew in my mind that God had made promises to me. And I just had to keep believing them. And now I've seen things shift. I've seen family members come to Christ. I've seen our situation change. I've seen what God's done in our life and where he has us now. And I, could have never, I couldn't see it then. But you've got to know this when the wheels come off, is that God's will for your life is you to take ownership of the promises of God. 
God has promised good to you, and He will fulfill that promise. You just got to let Him finish the book. You got to let Him continue to move in your life. And if you look over in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, you move toward the end of the chapter, if you're familiar with the story. Uh, I really can't preach on 13 chapters this morning. He only gave me like a half hour, and I was like, oh, I got 13 chapters. I'm just kidding. But um, we're going to fast forward here. Long story short, uh, Jacob has come into the land. The brothers have all come into the land. The brothers are concerned that Joseph is going to hold a grudge against them for selling him into slavery. Anybody imagine that? And so now that Jacob has died, they're afraid, well, now he's going he's to get his vengeance on us. Now he, we're at his mercy, and they're scared. And so they, Joseph discovers this, and they come, and they're talking to Joseph. And I want you to hear how Joseph responds in verse 20 of chapter 50. So he begins to summarize all that's happened to him in his life. As for you, you meant evil against me. That's legit, isn't it? Have you ever had somebody in your life that meant evil? Have you ever been the object of someone else's evil in your life? Have you ever gone through a situation where you know almost everything happening in the situation right now is sinful? There's just all kind of wickedness around me. Or even in your own heart, there's just this struggle, there's this difficulty. God's unveiling things about your heart that you never knew were there. And, and, and there's evil around you. And Joseph says what you meant for evil... But God meant for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So what you meant for evil, God meant for good. There was a promise in the life of Joseph that Joseph knew was going to come to fruition. First of all, Joseph knew of the Messianic promise. And I don't think he knew all the details about how this was all working out to preserve that. Maybe it illuminated to him eventually. But he knew that God had a promise, and he knew that he was a covenant member, and he knew that God was working everything for his good. And you need to own that deep down in your knower, that whatever's happening in your life is based upon the promise of God to do good in your life. If you would, please turn to Romans chapter 8. So we kind of begin to wrap this up, but I want you to look at Romans 8. Verse 28, and I'm sure that if you have ever had any kind of a memory package of Scripture whatsoever. If you've ever done any Bible memorization, you probably have this verse in your Bible. Now, it may not be ESV, so I'll read it in the ESV. And it says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Do you love God? All of those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. God has a purpose in your life. And those who are called according to that purpose all things work together for good. Everything. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. I know there's a lot of theological controversy over these verses of Scripture in Romans chapter 8. But this is not what is beyond contest, being contested. This is beyond controversy. That God has known the perfect you and has determined to conform you to the very image of Christ. So no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what the situation of your life is, you need to know this absolutely, that God is conforming you to the image of Christ. And so you need to look within and see where it is that God wants to make you more Christ-like. There's something He's doing in you. You may not be able to change the external circumstances. You may not be able to change everything around you. You may not be able to change others that are acting in an inappropriate way toward you, but you can look within your heart and say, Lord, how do I walk through this in a way that conforms me to the image of Christ? How do I look more Christ-like coming out of this than when I went into it? 
That's where God really wants to work, is to turn you into a better reflection of the image of Christ in your character and in your heart and in your passions and in your life. Because He is about relationship with you and about loving you. And what can be lost in all the theological wrangling about one of the most important chapters in all of the Bible is you miss just a few basic truths. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is why we get to peek behind the curtains of eternal decrees and eternal perspectives of God. This is why we get to even know any of this. So that you know if God's for you, nothing can be against you. If, if God, who is the judge of the universe, has justified you, who can bring a charge against you? That if you're in Christ, nothing, nothing, no height, no depth, no, nothing, no powers, no principalities, nothing. There's no space, there's no power, there's no work, there's nothing, nothing can separate you from God's love. He loves you in Christ. No matter where you are or what you're going through, you're enveloped into the love of God and His love is upon you and He's got a perfect plan for your life and He has promised good toward you. And if you'll be patient with Him and you'll walk with Him and you'll be patient with the work that He's doing in your life and you'll trust and walk in obedience to Him. You will maintain a perspective that gives a thankful heart for all of the blessings of God in your life. And you'll own, take ownership of the promises of God when he finishes the story. Whether it be in this life or in the life to come, when we see him face to face, you're going to see face to face the very glory of Christ reflected back in your life. That God has perfected you where he's been wanting you to go all along. He has a perfect picture of who you are perfect picture that he has for your life. He has a perfect you in mind. And the situation, the circumstance that he has you in right now is the exact circumstance that he has crafted as the master crafter to form Christ in you. So as I ask the worship team to come and to lead us in closing and as we go through communion, I just I want you to remember a couple of things as the wheels begin to come off of your life and maybe you're in that situation right now or maybe it's coming in six months. You don't see it now, but I want you to remember when you get there. And when you come to that place in your life, and it may be the most difficult place you've ever gone through, first of all, just remember this. This is simple. Just keep breathing. Just keep breathing. There may be a day in your life when you think, I just need to keep breathing. And then you just obey the Lord. You just keep your head down and you keep obeying Him. You keep walking in His Word and believing that His Word is true. And then you worship him with a thankful heart and you just begin to count your blessings. You begin to see the things that God has done good in your life. As you continue to walk through that and you begin to take ownership of the promises of God, you'll be able to begin to turn the page in God's mercy and in his grace and you'll eventually be able to flip the page over and you'll begin to turn from this chapter to the next chapter and you'll see the perfect wisdom of God in it. You'll see his plan. And little by little, as, as he finishes this novel of our life and he writes his story on our life, when we come to the end and we begin to read the conclusion, we begin to see, we'll see a tapestry of the most beautiful plan that God could have ever written for your life. You may not see it today, but you just keep breathing. You keep obeying. You keep worshiping him, giving him thanks. Take ownership of his promises and embrace his grace because his grace is sufficient for every need.